This week's episode is brought to you by Communicore Weekly, The Musical. Learn all about the origins of Jeff and George and how they saved the world. Plus, there are amazing new songs. Clocking in at 45 minutes, it's available on CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon, and more. Welcome to season three. Hello and welcome to CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show, home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the first episode of season three. We're glad that you guys joined us and continued to listen to us. And I hope by now you've heard the magical tale about how we save the world in an alternate universe well don't give all of it away oh oh you don't know yet if we save the world in an alternate universe <laughs> is that better did that yeah, work out better like, for you i was like you can't give away if you give away the musical nobody will date the cow i don't no, even know what that no, means that's not right and i Never i only dated a cow once <laughs> i got a lot of milk though <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. This went off the rails really quickly for season three, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's a brand new season. We've got a lot to do. We do. And we have a whole year to do it in. So uh, why don't uh, don't we just get started? It's time for Disney History. This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard. We are underway and proceeding on a course that will take us on a voyage through liquid space. En route, we will pass below the polar ice cap, and then probe the depths seldom seen by man. Make yourself comfortable, but please remain seated at all times. And no smoking, please. The smoking lamp is out. On August 3rd, 1958, the USS Nautilus, which was the world's first nuclear-powered submarine, made history by traveling below the polar ice cap of the Arctic Ocean, becoming the first ship to cross the geographic North Pole. In Disneyland, less than a year later, another Nautilus, this time powered by diesel, made history of its own. This Nautilus, along with its and seven sister submarines, the Triton, Seawolf, Skate, Skipjack, George Washington, Patrick Henry, and Ethan Allen, allowed 38 guests at a time to take their own voyage to the North Pole. So naturally, we're talking about the submarine voyage, which opened at Disneyland on June 14, 1959, and was one of the first rides to require an e-ticket. Now, it was actually part of a major expansion to Disneyland's Tomorrowland and Fantasyland, and that also included the Matterhorn, an extended version of the Autopia, the Monorail, and the Motorboat Cruise. And the opening was actually christened by Mrs. Mildred Nelson, who was wife of uh, Chief Machinist Mate uh, Stuart N.H. Nelson of the USS Nautilus, the actual submarine that traveled under the North Pole. And the the ships themselves cost about $80,000 each to build, and they were called the world's largest peacetime submarine fleet. Uh, They were fabricated at Todd Shipyards in San Pedro, California, and then transported to the Disneyland Naval Yard, in quotes of course, in Anaheim, for outfitting under the direction of Admiral Joe Fowler. 
Now, most of the technical data regarding the design and construction, they were provided by General Dynamics Electric Boat Division, who also happened to build the US Navy's nuclear-powered submarines, so they clearly knew what they were doing. Um, but the paint, uh, the subs back then, they were painted in a very drab military gray until about 1986 when the attraction was updated, and then the exterior color of the submarines was changed first to pastel colors and then to a bright yellow about a year later. And the yellow color made it, the submarines more, more like a research submarine, since yellow is one of the last colors to be visible at the great depths of the ocean. That is science, ladies and gentlemen. Science. Wow, I've got nothing to follow that. Boom. Oh, actually, I do. Oh, you do? Um, okay. I do, I do. Okay, anyway, we'll go on. So, Well, we've been calling them subs, but they are not actual submarine sandwiches because those are delicious. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Submarines, sorry. They don't actually submerge. Gosh, I know we should have done a spoiler alert. Spoiler, sorry, guys. Spoiler, sorry. Ring the magic. Okay. Oh, well. They are boats in reality uh, where inside the 38-passenger seating area was positioned below the water level. And portholes along the sides allow guests to view the many underwater sites. And uh, above the seating area was the conning tower where the operator stood and controlled the sub's speed. As in slow, very slow, and very, very slow. <laughs> Even more basically. slower. Even more slower. That's <laughs> Ludic ludicrous slower. Ludicrous speed. Go. <laughs> anyway... So uh, the, the diving effect was actually made by bubble screens and the using of the waterfalls at the entrance to the caves that led the submarines into a cleverly disguised show building. Now, the same type of effect would be used later on in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea at the Magic Kingdom and for the Living Seas, uh, the hydrolators at Epcot Center. But uh, on top of the show building was the majority of the Autopia tracks, uh, some of the monorail tracks, and the currently not in use People Mover track. We need a say we need a wah wah. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, so the the lagoon that housed the ride requires nine million gallons of water to fill it. Uh, it's very difficult to maintain since divers had to be sent underwater every night to clean up debris and fix the audio animatronics audio animatronics whenever they broke down. So Yeah. That's yeah. that's a lot of time and work that's, and yeah, money. Underwater. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, during the summers of uh, 1965, 1966, and 1967, they actually had female cast members dressed up in mermaid costumes, and they Say could be what? Uh, right, right. What? Um, they could be seen sunbathing, uh, and uh, there are rocks in the middle. And they also performed synchronized swimming moves and underwater stunts for uh, four hours every day for a dollar sixty-five an hour. Um, hmm. Now, funny, I actually interviewed one of these mermaids a long time ago for one of the From the Mouth of the Mouse columns. Great interview. If you haven't read it, go check it out because she does give a lot of cool information in it. But, um, nice, nice plug. Boom. That's what we do here at Communicore Weekly. That's we plug it. stuff. Um, Disney ended the live mermaid stuff back in, in 1967 because several of the mermaids reported health concerns, uh, mostly sushi-related. Uh, just kidding, there was no sushi problems. Um, they were related to the submarine's diesel exhaust fumes and the highly chlorinated water. And also, some um, overzealous tourists may have jumped into the water to get a little closer to the mermaids. And, uh, you know, that never ends that well. That's the siren song. The, ooh, look at you go. That's exactly what it is. What so, does the okay. siren song sound like? <sighs> never mind, don't do it. There, there's yeah. enough music in our life right now. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because I had no idea what to do. Um, I was like, are you asking me to sing? No, I'm, ne I'm never what? asking you to sing. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so the, the ride was initially conceived to feature real fish and other sea creatures, which is a, a you know theme we've heard before, uh, though the idea proved to be not so practical as you'd expect. 
The submarines followed a 1,365-foot-long guide rail through a few different ride sections to simulate an actual submarine voyage. Uh, cruising past such sites as the Graveyard of Lost Ships, there were ships from all eras of human history and you know where they met their final resting place. The North Pole, which recreates the voyage of the USS Nautilus, Atlantis, the long lost city, and then past some mermaids and a sea serpent. Ooh, exciting. Now, on September 6, 1998, the, the attraction actually closed because Disneyland executives at that time considered it to be way too costly to operate in relation to its capacity, which is like 800 guests an hour, which in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of people. Um, so the, the lagoon, it still stayed there, filled with water, but uh, it was otherwise empty for seven years. And at one point in time, uh, an attraction based on the, f the animated film Atlantis, The Lost Empire, was going to be put in, but they didn't do that. And then another rumor was that the lagoon was going to be destroyed altogether, kind of like uh, the Magic Kingdom's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but they didn't do that. But uh, thankfully, in 2005, the lagoon was drained and construction began at a new attraction, the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage, which is basically, you know, the Nemo ride in Epcot, but in a submarine. <laughs> Yes, a much more claustrophobic space. Yeah, way more claustrophobic there. on that one. Well, however, as of January 5th, 2014, because we are oh so current, <clears throat> the ride has closed again. Uh, though it's listed for a refurbishment on the calendar, rumors are swirling that it will meet a similar fate of not opening up again. Mm. Well, mm. I guess only time will tell. It's true. Time and tide will melt the snowman. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. The Magic Kingdom Storybook, written and illustrated by Jason Grant. 2013, 128 pages. So Jason is an Imagineer at Walt Disney World, and uh, one of his more recent projects was the Princess Fairy Tale Hall. And uh, when I heard about the Magic Kingdom storybook, I was pretty excited since that uh, I knew Jason was a huge fan of the Magic Kingdom and its history. So I had some high expectations, you know, not going to say whether or not he let me down yet. That's coming. So, okay. Well, the Magic Kingdom storybook, really, it's a picture book written for elementary age school kids because he wrote it for his son. Like George. But, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Um, where's that mute button? Oh, it's, it mutes me, not you. Nope. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Oh, you, you got quiet, so I was like, wait, maybe he actually wait, hit but, the button, and then uh, I'll uh, have to go on with the review. <laughs> it's a book, and I liked it. There were no. pictures. Okay. All right, so, so as I said, it's, it's it's for elementary age school kids, but really it's, it's going to be enjoyed by any Disney fan, and especially by Magic Kingdom fans. Uh, the book's made up of five chapters. Each one's based in a different land of the Magic Kingdom. I don't want to give away too much of each story because it's really great to experience the stories for yourself, except to know they are cute and charming and the illustrations are fantastic. The, the chapter titles do offer some tantalizing insight. The first one is A Home on Main Street. Then we have Donald's Wild Bird Chase. The Modest Tea Party, of course, about Fantasyland. Looking for Your Laughing Place. Uh, don't know where that one is. And Pluto's Mission to Space which thankfully has nothing to do with mission space, which is good. So anyway, the, the book is illustrated beautifully, and it looks like a combination of traditionally drawn art and computer art. Uh, it's filled with vistas of the Magic Kingdom, views that will be familiar to all of us fans. And Jason also includes some favorite characters like Donald, 
uh, Chip and Dale, the Mad Hatter, Pluto, Br'er Rabbit, and a specifically a, and a new character created by Jason, and and some crazy bird from one of those movies that Jeff talks about all the time. If I, if I can do the song right now, I totally you would, do would it. but I can't. So <laughs> that's just gonna a, a massacre. But it's the yeah. Arachnid bird. I think that's, uh, anyway. how, that's how you yes, pronounce it, right? It. Okay, Arachnid exactly. bird. Yeah. Well, sure. somebody will tell us. Call the goat line and tell us. So, okay. Well, Jason does include some great tributes to the orange bird and Epcot in the book. It's great to see some hidden details because you know he loves vintage uh, Walt Disney stuff, Walt Disney World stuff. And it's uh, quite obvious, though, that he is a Disney nerd, and I mean that in the highest sense for him. So, uh, as the recording this, of this episode right now, sitting in my chair, the book is only available at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. You can check Amazon, but it's going to be through a third party and probably be a lot more expensive. So if you have a cast member friend or somebody going down to visit or somebody who visits on a semi-weekly basis, like the host of a online show, that maybe could buy it for you and mail it to you. Maybe. Now's a good time to plug Jeff's book buying service. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Pretty good. We'll have to have them as a sponsor for the next <laughs> musical feature. So, Okay, well, anyways, um, the book really is amazing and every Disney fan should pick up a a copy of it and uh, all I can say is I hope that Jason is able to do something similar for Epcot I think that would be spectacular Um, so this is the Magic Kingdom storybook written and illustrated by Jason Grant what we liked what we didn't like he's in the booze 60 second review Well, it may seem a little conceited for us to review our own thing, but I think we need to talk a little bit about Communicore Weekly, the musical. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think we should talk about it and review it a little bit. Right off the bat. Waiting the whole show. Waiting the whole show. This is the moment you guys have been waiting for. Right off the bat, it's awesome. No, I, I... Of course it is. I mean, it comes from Communicore Weekly Industries. Yes, yes. I mean... What else can you say about it? So this is this is something that if you haven't seen the PR or uh, didn't listen to the first 15 seconds of the show, not on Facebook, Twitter, don't read Boing Boing, um, we have released Communicore Weekly the musical uh, seven months in the making. We are very, seven very, very long, long months. <laughs> and then one or two very long weeks towards the end where it was <laughs> crunch time. everything done. Yeah. But it's, it's, as I mentioned, it is it is 45 minutes of music, and we tell a story about how Jeff and George, your Communicore hosts, save the world. In an alternate timeline. Uh, yeah. I it's very important that, that you mention that. I was going to wait till the end and we could do, you know, Communicore Weekly Music took place in an alternate timeline. Oh, see, now that you ruined that because you said it now, you could have uh, moved it. said it Anyway, um, seriously, um, I mean, I, I've been living with this stuff for months now, and so has Andy and Steve and George, but mm-hmm. I, I, every time I listen to it, because I'm vain and I like to listen to the sound of my own voice, <laughs> but every time I listen to it, I just get this feeling inside of, like, I don't, pride and joy, like, we burst this thing, and I'm so proud of it, and I'm, you know, it took a lot, and well, I, I really I hope other people enjoyed as much as we enjoyed making it. Yeah, I, I remember the the first inklings. I think uh, I think I was driving home from work and I called you when you still lived on this side of the world. Don't know where that is. Yeah, exactly. Never heard and of it. We talked about doing a musical episode, but we were like, let's do it like an opera. And that was the germination 
uh, germination, so to speak, of this, and it just blew up. Yes. And we did, instead of just doing a musical episode, we have done a full-blown musical, uh, which I guess we should get out of the way. It won't be part of the podcast feed. You know, this is something we spent so much time and effort on. Uh, We have released it as a separate project. It is $2.99 on CD Baby, Amazon, iTunes, wherever fine musical stuff is sold. Yeah, pretty much. I guess. I guess, yeah. So, and I know that can be a lot to ask people to pay for stuff, but this is something that we know you're going to love. It is absolutely amazing. I really think that the songs will be stuck in your head for days. Like, we've always had catchy music on the show, thanks to Mm -hmm. the Communicore Weekly Orchestra, a.k.a. Steve and Andy, a.k.a. Amplify This Music. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, the music for the musical will be stuck in your head for days, and you will be singing it in the shower when you wake up in the morning, when you're in a meeting at work, uh, Mm -hmm. when your wife or your husband is yelling at you, you'll just be singing along (laughs) and you won't be able to stop yourself because I know that's what I do. Um, Seriously, it was a lot of fun to make. I am super, super proud of it. And we want you guys to enjoy it as much as we enjoyed giving it out to you for, (laughs) you know, I was, I was like, where are you, where are you going I with this know. now? I was I'm like, just, kind of scary, I'm battling so. because I'm, I'm, I'm seriously so proud. It's like a child that we released into the world and it, it grew up and it matured. And then and we it, had to ground it and take away its video games for a week because yeah. it wasn't listening to us. But then they got it back and it's really good again. Well, at least for a while. Yeah. Yeah. At least exactly. for a while. So No, but we're, we're real serious about this. We know we joke a lot, but this is a huge project for us. We're so excited that... Uh, we can now share it with you. I mean, I can't believe I pretty much kept a secret for almost seven months. I know. How do we even do that? <laughs> and didn't tell anybody. I was we like, can hey, barely keep a secret this. for five minutes. What? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we should think of this less as a review and more of a commercial or just a little bit of a behind the scenes. A little peek Communicore behind the Weekly. curtain. Maybe at some Ooh. point, like I know in the future we discussed today, we're going to actually have a little contest, a little karaoke contest for you guys. Oh, that's true. That's um, true. To help promote the musical a little more so that that'll be that'll be coming up and maybe at some point we might reveal some of the uh, original ideas we had for the musical because we went through quite a number of them before we landed with this particular idea mm-hmm. um but i mean if you we've got a lot of good reviews so far from feedback comments emails even ratings on itunes and we're really thankful for you guys who've done that and i mean yes. if you've heard it and you haven't let us know how you feel about it yet please let us know we'd love to hear it um yeah. And the easiest easiest way to get your hands on it is to either stop by the Facebook page, because we do have a CD Baby store that's on there, yeah. or visit visit CommunicorWeekly.com, and we'll probably have a tab for the musical or something. Yes, it's there already. Come on, George, oh, come on top good, of that. Good, please. Good. Please. Good. But so. uh, <laughs> please check it out. And I mean, it's it's been two years that we've been doing this podcast, and we thought it was time to do something really fun and crazy. So yeah. Please check and, it out. And I can't think of another, at least not Disney-related podcast, if not another podcast, that's done a musical. I can't either. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I guess we'll find out in a couple of months when all the other podcasts are doing musicals. But what? they won't be as catchy as ours. I'll tell you that right now. No, they do not have Steve and Andrew. Exactly. So check it out today, guys. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look. What's that? It's a five-legged goat. <laughs> On the Finding Nemo submarine voyage, which is now closed, and we don't know if we'll actually open again, but if you go there soon, you can still check this out. But right in the loading area, just before you get into the sub, there is a pipe with a flow of seawater supply right over your head. And on it, it has the initials TL59. 
And the TL obviously stands for Tomorrowland because that's where the ride is located. And the 59 is a reference to the year the submarine voyage, the original ride, actually opened 1959. Wow, and I just thought the Imagineers were really bad at math. Nope. So. Nope. Eh. Nope. That's okay. That's okay. Well, I hope you guys got to enjoy the submarine voyage at least one last ride before they closed it. If not, so. there's always the intertubes for you to check them out on because those That's videos true. will live forever. That's true. Uh, our friend Colby uh, posted a video the other day that he took. Oh, did he? Of the Finding Nemo submarine, that voyage. Part there you go. Maybe. Then you can so. go check that out. There you go. Not too bad. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening to our show. Yes. Please leave us a comment and give us a rating on iTunes. I mean, if you guys have been listening for for two seasons already and you haven't done so, come on. Throw us a bone. Swap. I was about to say, like, you owe us that much, but that's kind of no, that's mean. aggressive. That's, that's mean, mean. But you do owe us, guys. Come on. <laughs> okay. So you can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com, especially if you downloaded the musical and you loved it please email us and tell us that you loved it you can also uh, like us on facebook at facebook.com slash weekly where we're always posting all sorts of fun stuff more so now than ever lately exactly because we're promoting the musical and just stuff in general i mean we have tons <laughs> of cool stuff on there <laughs> yes we do <laughs> well, i figure how many times do we have to get the word musical in here musical what? 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 Okay. Well, if you go back on the Facebook page, there's a lot of stuff alluding to the musical, like Is for the last awful? four or five months that people thought we were nuts, and they didn't even, nobody commented, nobody liked it, they just thought we were crazy. But now, now it makes well, sense, doesn't it, know, guys? Uh, um, our, our friend David put a review up saying, hey, you know, they've been talking about this sort of subconsciously. Over, I know it's not the right use of the word, but over the past year on the show anyway. Yes, we have been. hints and clues. That so. means you should go back to listen to all the season two Ooh. episodes and find the clues alluding That's to the musical. Because trust me, they're in there. I don't remember where they are, but I remember <laughs> doing them. Okay, so you guys can uh, follow us both on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imagineerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, you can always call us on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We actually got quite a few after the uh, the last mailbag show, and we'd love to have another mailbag show soon. So give us a call, guys. Leave us a message. Yep, please do. And uh, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, you guys, and for joining us for the beginning of Season 3. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. World's Fair.